Welcome to the Activation Project, where we activate your mind, activate your tribe, and activate the entire world. My name is Olivia Eden, and I'm here with my co-host, Paloma Cifuentes. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. So today, we're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about dating. We're going to talk about what to do to prepare to date, what to do when you go on the date, what to do once you get into the relationship. We're going to talk about some of the pitfalls of dating. We're going to talk about how to show up with a vulnerable and open heart. We're going to talk a little bit about our experiences and our relationships and our vulnerabilities. And so we hope that you find value if you guys are looking to date or if you're just kind of wondering how to improve the relationship that you're in. I think that you'll really enjoy this episode. Yes, lots of good stuff that we're going to talk about today. But first, I want to talk about what's new. What's new with the, what's new with Olivia? What's new with Paloma? Speaking of relationships, I uh, got some really good news earlier this week that I will possibly be seeing uh, my mom soon after 11 years. This will be the first time that I'll see her in about 11 years. And so we're still waiting on the official notice, but I'm, I have a really good feeling about it. And it's just been super exciting, but I also don't want to get my hopes up because it's just a really complicated process. I can't really go into it a lot right now, but I will eventually. And it's good stuff. But what's going on with you, Olivia? That's super exciting. <laughs> so it's kind of funny because we had been planning on doing this podcast about relationships about how to date and stuff like that, which was going to be really good for me. And then as fate would have it, I landed myself in a relationship. Yay! And it's been incredible, you know, as maybe some of you know that used to follow me on social media before I deleted it. I was going through a period of celibacy. I was taking some time off of dating because there was just some things that I realized that I needed to work on still. I was finding myself becoming entangled with guys very easily and usually having sex with them right away and then getting to know them and realizing that they weren't a good match. So I worked with a a coach, a high performance coach, and we worked through my daddy issues. So I used to be attracted to older guys, like pretty much exclusively, like at least 10 to 15 years older or more. And I wanted to have kids and get married. So there was all of this sort of conflict, a little bit of cognitive dissonance going on because like I wanted to get married and have kids. And yet I would go hook up with somebody right away. And then he would usually be a lot older and not in a place where he was wanting to have kids or it just wasn't very feasible. And so I was like, okay, well, I need to look at these contradictions. I need to work through, you know, these sort of daddy issues that I have. So I did this really powerful session with the coach and we decided that it would be a good idea for me just to sort of step back and take a break from the dating and uh, take uh, six months off of having sex so I could heal the relationship that I had with myself. And that included just holding, you know, myself as sacred, my vagina as sacred and starting to value it as well as me. And I'm not going to lie, it was a struggle and I definitely slipped up a couple of times in the beginning. Um, (laughs) And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to feel shame about it. I'm just going to get right back on the horse and I'm going to keep going. I'm going to remember why I'm doing this. And those slip ups were a very painful reminder of why I was doing this. So here we are almost six months afterwards and... I was starting to feel like I was ready to date again. Actually, I didn't tell you about this, but (laughs) 
So Paloma, you know, we did a couple of journeys together. I think she talked on the podcast about how she would pray for this guy, mm-hmm. for her husband. I always talk about that. I'm so proud of it because I prayed so hard for him. And till this day, I still tell him that he's my favorite answered prayer. Oh, I love so it. <laughs> No, I know. And so I really took that to her. And I was, well, when you first told me, I think it was when we first did the journey. And I think that was like when I was just starting on my path. So I was like, okay, I'll do it later. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so more recently, I think we had recorded a podcast and you had mentioned it again. I was like, I need to do that. Well, I, I just need to set a strong intention of what I want. So this is going to be like maybe way too much TMI, but... I've read and I've listened like on Abraham Hicks. I've also uh, read in Think and Grow Rich that there is this really powerful way to set intentions and it's through sexuality. So like if you're masturbating right before like you orgasm or while as you're orgasming, then you set your intention or you visualize something that you want. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to combine the two. So I did that for like, I don't know, maybe like a week or something where... So I would set my intention while I was like having an orgasm and it would just be like everything that I wanted in this guy, like the way that I wanted to feel, the way that I wanted him to be. Have you so I had this? this. No, no, I didn't because actually while we were talking earlier, I remembered. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I was doing that very recently. And then I was having discussions, you know, about it because there's like the four slices of the pie in attraction. So you have your physical attraction, you have your emotional, you have your intellectual, you have your spiritual. And it's important to decide which ones are the most important for you. Mm -hmm. because some of them you can work on some of them are kind of non-negotiables some of them you know so you just know what's important for you and I used to think that I wanted somebody who was on the same page as me as far as like spirituality goes and you know doing like the meditations the visualizations but then as time went on I was like you know what what means the most to me is just like how he makes me feel I want him to be dependable I want him to show up I want him to be a good kind person And the rest, I mean, maybe if he's open to it, great, but I don't need one of these like phony holy people. Sure enough, I meet this guy playing soccer. He's an atheist, not spiritual at all. I've tried to get him to do a couple meditations and all he does is make fun of whoever's doing the meditation, like this one Indian guy who does, and he's Indian, uh, by the way, so he can make fun of his culture. I, I do this meditation before each of our journeys and the guy says, rest in natural great peace. And he's like, what does he say? Natural grade peace? He's like, what does that even mean? And I'm like, courage, hush. Uh, Brian's totally going to get along with him. Brian does the same thing. He ruined a couple meditations for me because he makes so much fun of them. <laughs> meditation. I don't think I can listen to them anymore. <laughs> but it's the guy thing. What is it? I don't know. I know. It's hilarious. And there's different ways to meditate. So you can yeah. meditate in pure silence or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. I'm convinced that Brian meditates in his garage with his car. <laughs> That's how, that's how he does it. That's a really good point. Yeah, you can definitely meditate through doing these sort of mindless tasks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I set this intention. And as we're, we are starting to date and, you know, we're officially in a relationship now, I'm starting to see that he is an embodiment of all of these intentions that I set, you know, and it's just, it's so incredible and beautiful to me. And I don't know, you know, what the future holds. And I don't know, like, where this is going to go in the long run. But I'm just so thankful for how he's showing up for what I have right now. And it's so beautiful to me. And so I feel like now I have um, some other, you know, 
resources and stuff that I can talk about as far as relationship goes along with Paloma here. Let's start off with how to start when you're thinking about getting in a relationship. And I think you brought up a good point is, you know, you talked about taking some time off to do some self-work. And I really do believe that that is the most important thing you can do before you start to you know, even want to get into a relationship is knowing yourself, you know, what do you like? What are your tendencies? What types of people you're attracted to? And doing an evaluation of your past relationships, even doing like an examination of conscious, where are you at right now in life? What are you aspiring to get out of life? What are you, if you're thinking about getting into a relationship, what do you want to get from this relationship? But yeah, knowing yourself. And, you know, honestly, Olivia is way more knowledgeable than I am. And I think that that's also what makes it hard sometimes to be in a relationship. You mentioned earlier that, you know, when you're getting to know somebody like Corinne, you start to see some tendencies. And, and you mentioned it's hard because you know all of these things. You're so knowledgeable. How do you deal with this? Yeah. So especially when you know about like trauma Mm -hmm. and you know about avoidance styles, you know, about fear of abandonment, you're like, ah, you know, you like see all these eyes. You're like, okay, what what is my own fear of abandonment? What is my own intuition telling me? And what if this is just fear-based, my mm-hmm. own anxiety? So it's learning how to navigate through that. And I think the best way is just honesty and communication and understanding that both of you have this commitment to growth. So that was like my number one requirement for a guy for a relationship for me was that he has to have a growth mindset because I'm constantly trying to grow and evolve and expand. And so I need the person that I'm with to have the same responsibility or commitment towards growing to be able to take agency for things. And he has shown himself to be that way. So like if I see something that might be bothering me a little bit or maybe something that I'm concerned with, just having the courage, right, to talk to him about it. And he has listened and he's validated my feelings and it's been amazing. So those were all things that I had written down as far as like values and virtues that I wanted in a man, right? And I've never had that before. So for me, there is a little bit of anxiety there because it's like, oh my God, is this, this too feels too good to be true. Like he's just all of these qualities that I've always wanted and I've never had. And so, yeah, that little fear-based and that anxious attachment style kind of comes up because if you're used to having this fear center always lit up, then you're constantly assessing risk. So you're like, okay, where is he not showing up? How is like, how could this go wrong? What is he not doing? Instead of focusing on all of the things that he is doing. And so it's about recognizing it. It's about mm-hmm. having awareness of around that. Like, okay, is this my like fear center and anxiety showing up and, you know, causing me like to try to figure out an escape route. It's a scary feeling for sure. That whole feeling of like, oh, this is too good to be true. You're kind of like waiting for something, you know, to go wrong so that you can just, I guess so that that part of you can just be like, see, it was too good to be true. <laughs> like I told you so. But I also want to offer that because you did all this self-work before, because you like you took the time to really know yourself and to really explore what you expect out of relationships, you know how to handle the situation now. Where in the past, you know, you would have probably not reacted certain ways. Now you do. We were talking about an example earlier. I didn't want to be the one to say it. I want you to say it. (laughs) Well, 
I have no practice with this, right? Mm -hmm. Because like, there's only things like you could do a bunch of work on yourself, but then there's certain things that you can only do in a relationship. Mm -hmm. There's things that you're going to find out about yourself only in a relationship. And so it just is going to take vulnerability and courage, right? But he's very charismatic and people love him, you know, so we'll go out and he has this whole like persona that he has with like people and it can be very flirtatious. And so I see the way that these girls are like drawn to him and like straight up this girl the other day just like asked him for his phone number in front of me. And I was like, (laughs) and truth be told, like I have struggled with jealousy all my life. Because I, you know, so the way that I was raised in this very polyamorous uh, religious sex group, it was just, there was no boundaries anywhere. It was everybody could flirt with anybody. You know, there was like couples sleeping with couples. It was expected and it was encouraged. It's also very much like that in Austin too, with the whole polyamory. And so that's always made me feel very uncomfortable and insecure, but I've never been able to communicate that before because you know, when I had in the past, I would get gaslighted by my boyfriends. You know, they would just say that I was being crazy. So I just never felt comfortable. And I just felt like that was something that I had to accept. But he, from the very beginning, he's been super like encouraging as far as wanting me to speak up and talk about things that make me uncomfortable. And so I just like mentioned it to him. I was like, hey, you know, like I think sometimes... I think that the way that you can come across can be misconstrued by the opposite sex because you're so funny and charming. And I just think that, you know, there's other people that don't have those same boundaries and they can get the wrong idea. They can get mixed signals. And I think that that can be like playing with fire. Like, I don't want you to change who you are, but I do want you to maybe have some awareness around it because it can be a little bit like hurtful to me if I feel like, you know, boundaries are crossed and I'm feeling disrespected. And he was like, I'm not going to get defensive. I'm listening. He's like, this is your turn to communicate. He's like, I'm going to take this super seriously. I don't want you to feel this way. And he's like, one time I had my ex-girlfriend tell me that I made her feel like I was the only one in the room. And he's like, and that's how I want you to feel. And he's like, so I'm going to really take into consideration the way that I'm coming across to people. And I was like, ah. That is so good. But I honestly feel like the, the reason that you're able to do that is because you took the time to really, really know yourself. So tell us about what are some things that you did, like whenever you talk about, you know, like knowing your values and your virtues. So I think the first thing that you have to do before you get ready to get into a relationship or what you need to do to get ready is to go through the process of knowing yourself. Like we describe in the activation project, which is going back and uncovering the situations from your past that may have caused trauma, understanding what your attachment style might be. Is it anxious attached? Is it avoidant attached? You can read the book Attached. That's what it's called. And it gives you all of the different attachment styles. There's a test you can take so you can figure out what type you are so that you can understand how you show up in a relationship. Also, I think it's a very good idea to write down an inventory of all of your previous relationships. Mm -hmm. What went wrong? Is there a common denominator between these guys or girls? Is there a certain type of behavior that I'm used to accepting into my life? How have I felt that my boundaries have been crossed in the past? So then you can start to understand, hmm, I seem to be attaching to this type of dysfunction in relationships, or I seem to be trauma bonding with this type of behavior. Or, and then look at the good things too. What are the good things that, what are the things that I've appreciated in relationships in the past? Love languages. 
What are the most important love languages for me? How do I show love? How do I receive love? So this is all very important for understanding who you are. Not only understanding who you are, but understanding and knowing what you want. So understanding your love languages, because that's all like the part of knowing yourself. Now, when I finished my first journeys with MDMA and I was discovering who I was, and I understood that love is our involuntary response to virtue if we are virtuous, I was like, fuck, I've never been in a relationship of love because, you know, they were just pure dysfunction. And I was like, I don't even know what virtues I even have because I wasn't honest. I was like very much dishonest in my life. You know, I'm like trying to think of all of the virtues and I was like, God, what even virtue do I have that would make me worthy of love? And then I realized that I had the most important virtue that there is, which is courage. Because without courage, you can't be vulnerable. And without vulnerability, you can't have love because you're not showing who you really are. So you can't be intimate. So I realized that I had virtue. I also had generosity. I also had gratitude, you know, and maybe honesty is not super high on the list, but it's something that I was working on. It's not like you have to have every single virtue and be the Mm -hmm. most pious, virtuous person, but you can have, you can start somewhere and then you can decide which virtues you want them to have that it would be compatible with yours. Yeah. And I think that being willing to work on those virtues is more important than just having them, right? I mean, Knowing that maybe you can get better and practice them, I think is good too. And from there, when you're in a place of you're comfortable with where you're at, you know yourself and you're getting ready to start dating, it's important to also know what you want and know why you're wanting to date. You know, ask yourself, why do you want to be in a relationship? Do you want to be in a relationship because everybody else is in a relationship? Do you want to just meet people and casually hook up? What's the intention behind it? Are you wanting someone to just show up in your life and create that happiness? Because it's important to remember that happiness comes from within and we're not obligated to be with somebody in order to feel happy. And I feel like a lot of relationships start off because, you know, a person feels lonely and they see that all of their group of friends is in a relationship and they want the same thing, but maybe they're not showing up entirely as themselves. And so I think it's equally as important to know yourself and know what you want from a relationship. Yeah. Setting an intention even before every single date. How do I want to show up? So important that you're not showing up from a place of missing. If you're lacking, you're needing, you're wanting something, you're needing somebody to come in and make you happy and fill something inside of you that is not the right place to show up. Because then your happiness becomes dependent on that other person. And that's where all the fear starts, right? Because we're like, okay, now this person is responsible for making me happy. So on the other side of that coin is fear, fear of losing that person because they're your tie to happiness. So understanding that you have to show up from a place of being whole yourself and they're complementary to that. You're both showing up to give each other love and kindness and happiness and companionship. But that if that person were gone, because the truth is, we have no idea what the future holds that person or what that person is going to do. We have no control over that person. So we have to be able to show up with a open heart, regardless of what happens in the future. And an open mind, you know, and not expecting too much from the relationship and knowing that this is a learning process, right? And, you know, like you mentioned earlier, you don't really know where this is going to go yet, but you're open to, you're, you're open-hearted, you're 
are coming to the relationship as your best self and you're just seeing where it goes and you're just staying open. So I also used to think that like words of affirmation was my primary love language and it was, but because of that, I would hear a lot of lip service and I would continuously get love bombed by guys. And their actions didn't quite show up to it. So then I decided, you know, I really, I need access service to be up there on the list because I need them to show that they care and that they love me. And recently my car was having issues and my boyfriend just completely took the reins and like took over and did everything I needed to fix it. Which were going to be too expensive. So then we needed to get a new car and he just made everything so seamless and effortless. And it just really showed me, you know, that he can show up and be there in a crisis. That is, that's amazing. And it's a really good point is whenever you talk about the love languages, know what it means to you. What does love mean to you? I really want to talk about the definition of it, how the definition of love differs from person to person based on the way it was modeled to us as children. Right. So I know we've talked a lot about this on the podcast before, but love really cannot be this super loose term subjective thing. Because when it is, then you get parents beating their kids and saying, it's because I love you. I just want the best for you. That's why I'm super hard on you and disciplined. And that's why I don't validate your feelings. And then you have the abusive husband or you just have like, oh, I know he loves me. That's just the way he shows it. No, that's not love. That cannot be love. So I think Brene Brown has the best definition of love, which we have read here before. But we'll go over it again because there's one specific clause that I want to go over, which I think is really, really important. Do you actually want to read it? So it says, we cultivate love when we allow our most vulnerable and powerful selves to be deeply seen and known. And when we honor the spiritual connection that grows from that offering with trust, respect, kindness, and affection. Love is not something we give or get. It is something that we nurture and grow. A connection that can only be cultivated between two people when it exists within each of them. We can only love others as much as we love ourselves. Shame, blame, disrespect, betrayal, and withholding of affection damage the roots from which love grows. Love can only survive these injuries if they're acknowledged and healed. So especially that part of withholding of affection, which is something that I've seen a lot in my work with people in the activation project is like, One partner or the other will start to withhold affection and then they'll start to withhold sex and then it'll be like a year or two years. And you have to understand that that damages the root from which love grows. Mm -hmm. And in that circumstance, one person is making the decision to not practice love with that person anymore. And of course, like these things have to be communicated, right? And there has to be like some solution. But what do you do when the other person has made a conscious decision to stop practicing love with you? You have to think about that. You have to understand what love looks like, what it doesn't look like, what it feels like, what it doesn't feel like. So that's a good starting place Mm -hmm. to go into a relationship with is having an understanding. And to be honest, for a lot of us, maybe like, especially for me, like who hasn't really been in a good, healthy, functional relationship before, you don't really know. So you want to read and you want to listen, you want to educate yourself, you want to practice or find couples that 
model a good relationship to you and ask them questions about that. You know, just go do your research because that's what I had to do because I didn't have any, you know, I didn't have that framework. I didn't have the experience. My mom was a single mom. So I never saw that a good relationship growing up. So, you know, it's a little bit more challenging for somebody Mm -hmm. like with my past or my background, but you can still do it. You can still do it by making the effort to educate yourself and find out, you know, what real true love looks like. Yeah, I think it's really important to know when to walk away from a relationship. And, you know, I dated a lot before I got married. And I think that I started dating pretty young yeah, I got a lot of shit from it. My brothers and sisters, they didn't approve about, you know, my dating choices. I dated a lot because I never wanted to settle for anything, you know, less than. And I had some pretty painful experiences. I moved in with a guy way too soon. That turned into a really negative relationship. There was a lot of verbal abuse with both of us. You know, I, I was able to look back and see what I had done in that relationship and it's important to take accountability for all of the actions that, you know, for what you do in the relationship to damage it. It's important for you to know when to walk away and how to deal with that. And I honestly feel like it was really helpful to me to date all those people and they all played a very important part in my life because with each relationship, I learned so much about myself. And so that, you know, it brings me to another point. Uh, How do we deal with rejection? with dating how do we deal with rejection and how do we lovingly reject Mm -hmm. somebody without ghosting them that's probably this challenge of the century um Mm -hmm. especially of this particular era that we're in where people are so accessible through dating apps and it's just so easy to meet somebody go on date them and then just completely discard or disregard or ghost them, block the number, whatever it is, you Mm -hmm. know? And so, well, in a lot of cases, it's taken the humanity out of this whole dating. And and, and what it does is it causes a lot more fear around it Mm -hmm. because you're just so worried that, you know, you might go and have a good connection with somebody and then they never speak to you again, which seems to be a very common story here in Austin. But let's say if it does happen to you, how do you deal with it? First of all, I mean, one of the biggest lessons I think is to not take it personally, you know, like if it wasn't meant to be, it wasn't meant to be, mm-hmm. you know, but if that person is open to giving you feedback and if you have the humility to ask for it, I think, you know, maybe just saying, Hey, what was it, you know, that you didn't particularly jive with? Is it something that I could work on? Asking for feedback is incredibly important. And it takes a whole lot of courage to do that. I, I don't, I have to be honest. I don't think that I'd be able to do that. I think I, in the past, I have been pretty hard on myself about stuff like that. I think that I'm kind of glad I missed out on the dating apps. I don't know how I would have handled that. Do you do dating apps? No, I didn't. (laughs) I have never done that. I did it one time, a long time ago, but it's just for me, I just knew I had to meet somebody organically, but it's the way of the world right now. It's how people are meeting people. But I think, you know, if you do the work beforehand, right, to clear away a lot of this trauma and you go in there with the intention and remember that like only loving kindness will live on. And so, you might not be here tomorrow. How do you want to leave this world? Mm-hmm. You want to leave this world having shown people love, kindness, and that you cared about them. You don't want to go there and show off to them this 
perfect person or the best version of yourself, which is usually just one big commercial. It's one big veneer facade. I think focusing on how you're going to impact and make the other person feel is important. And that can come by showing up in a very curious way, right? Mm -hmm. And asking them questions, maybe taking a little break from talking about yourself and all of your good points and asking them some really good heart to heart questions. And talking about how like understanding, having a basic understanding of the ACE test is good because Mm -hmm. then you can ask them about their childhood. You can ask them about what they went through. You can ask them about their relationship with their family and get to know a little bit about them and understand maybe where their emotional intelligence lies. What are their values? You know, how do they treat others? How are they treating the server? Are they treating the people that you interact with? Oh, for us service industry, that's a big one. If I went on a date with a guy and I didn't like how he interacted with with the server, I'd probably... That'd be it. (laughs) Or I'd have to let him know about it. Because this reminds me, when I first started dating Brian, and surprisingly enough, this is not the first partner that I've had to do this with. I think in pretty much all my relationships, I've had to teach them how to tip. (laughs) Yeah. And that's like, it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me that I have to have this conversation, but it is important to me. And it's a good thing that, you know, that they take it into consideration and that they know like, for example, Bryant knows when I go out, when we go out to eat now, how much he has to tip and how to treat the people around us, because I, I've done that job for a long time. So that was a really good point. How yeah, you want others. to see how they're treating others. So there's that. And then how curious are they with you? Are they mm-hmm. asking you questions? Are they interested? Are they looking at their phone all the time? Or are they present? And then also understanding that our bodies, our bodies are so intelligent and we know like our, we're, there's all this nonverbal communication happening mm-hmm. between two people that is just nonverbal. So if you take a minute to just tune in to your body and what it's trying to tell you, does it feel safe? Does it feel calm? Does it feel comfortable with this person? Or do you feel a little short of breath? Are you a little anxious? Are you a little nervous? Are you a little uncomfortable? What is your body trying to tell you? Pay attention to these signs and okay, so let's say it doesn't go that well. How are you going to communicate that to them? You know, it could be something as easy as, hey, I had a great time, but I don't think that I want to go further than this. Or something like that, you know? And if you can give a little bit of feedback, then you can. You know, I just don't, maybe I I didn't feel like you were really present. Rejection's not easy for anybody. But if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. Yeah, it's Um, not. It's it's definitely not easy to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to courage, which for me is the number one virtue. I think it's going to be so much more helpful to those people if you can have the courage to Mm -hmm. say that it's just not something that you're interested in instead of just completely leaving them hanging. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What would you want them to do to you? And then try to find the courage to do the same to Mm -hmm. them. I think this is all kind of hard for me to talk about because this is all like talking about the beginning of a relationship. And I mean, I've been in I've been married for six years, so it's a little hard for me to like go back and to remember, oh, what are some of the things that I did in the beginning? But I, yeah, you know, just I think for me in knowing what I wanted from someone, and you mentioned earlier that I I prayed for my husband, I was so adamant about meeting somebody that was going to be open hearted, that was going to love me unconditionally, and that could accept me for who I was. Because I feel like everyone else that I dated before was like, there's always something wrong with me. They always wanted to change something about me. 
they wanted me to act different or dress different or be different. And I just literally just wanted somebody to love me for who I was. But I feel like I had to be comfortable in my own skin first. So yeah, talking about new relationships is a little hard for me, but I can definitely talk about, you know, what to do when you're in a relationship and when you start losing some of that honeymoon uh, phase, you know, because I think it happens to everyone. We get into relationships and we get comfortable and somewhere down the line we fall off and we lose that sense of curiosity for each other. And I think it's important to kind of notice that and be aware that it might happen and have a plan beforehand. Like what needs to happen? Like maybe it's time to take a trip together or maybe it's time to do something spontaneous or um, you just talk about it with your partner. What are they feeling? And try to spark up some of that romance that happened earlier on because it can be really easy to fall off. And I mentioned when I shared my story that, you know, my husband and I, we almost we're kind of on the verge of divorce because we're so disconnected. And it was important for me to have that conversation with him because I didn't want to give up on our relationship. And because I knew that because I had prayed so much for him, it was something that was valuable to me. Our relationship is means a lot to me and I wanted to cultivate it. I just didn't know how. And when that happens, if that happens, it's important to maybe get some help or just connect with each other reevaluate yeah it's, it's almost like you have to treat it like a almost like a business or like a business partner right you have to check in mm-hmm. you have to have like monthly check-ins where you sit down how is our relationship going mm-hmm. how are you feeling what could i do better what could i improve in yeah you it's know? part of the nurturing i mean Brene brown talks about it you have to nurture each other you have to nurture the relationship so yeah you just and then the other thing is not comparing them to other people You want to just compare them in regards to your needs and how you need to get those needs met. So yeah, instead of like, oh, I wish he was more like that. Because first of all, like, that's another thing is you can't get into a relationship with somebody and then try to change them or try to push them to be a different person. If they're not the person that you wanted to be with in the beginning, then you shouldn't get together with Mm -hmm. them. It's like getting a dog and wishing it was a cat. And like, why aren't you a cat? Why aren't you a cat? Turn into a cat. Like, you just can't do that. Yeah. So it's about accepting them for how they are and then understanding if the person that they are is compatible with who you need them Mm -hmm. to be. So do you have any other tips from your happy marriage? Don't forget to date. The pandemic was hard on us because we couldn't really go out on dates. And so I, I think that, you know, for us now, that's one of the things that we're trying to get back into is creating a routine for ourselves, you know, remembering to take a break sometimes and go out on dates, do random things together and just staying wild. I think that when you become a parent, you sort of forget that there was a wild side to you at one point. And so I don't know. One of the things that I like to do is like randomly not wear a bra. <laughs> Nice. And Brian notices it. And, you know, it's kind of like he he comes around and he touches me and they're like, oh, hi. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's the smallest little things that you do that just make you have that sense of badness, you know. Naughtiness, Um, yes. That naughtiness. So just stay wild. I love that. If you are interested in working through your childhood trauma, 
going through the process of knowing yourself before getting into a relationship and you would like to work with the activation project, please email us at become.activated at gmail.com. Or if you know somebody that could benefit from this, please like and share it. We do not, or I don't have social media and the activation project doesn't. Paloma Cifuentes does. Her page is Break the Cycle on Facebook mm-hmm. and you can find her at Paloma Cifuentes. But other than that, you know, really helps us if you can leave a review, if you can share this podcast with somebody that you think would benefit from it. If you have any questions, please email us. Thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you next time. Amen. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.